Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to The Kickoff, brought to you by TickPick. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me is my producer and encyclopedia salesman, Brendan Tuma. It's the Thursday morning edition of The Kickoff, guys, which means it is time to talk about my top five thoughts on Thursday night football. But before we do, are you going to football games? And if you are, are you using TickPick? Because if not, you're just doing life wrong. TickPick not only sells tickets at a guaranteed lowest price out there, but they also save you a ton of money because they don't charge service fees, okay? Again, they guarantee the best price. If you find a lower price on another site, they're going to give you 110% of the total purchase price, and they don't charge the service fees, as I said, which means they've saved their users over $55 million, and now they've teamed up with Zip. That allows you to buy now and pay later for all your tickets. Just choose Zip at checkout, split your ticket purchase into four installments, download the TickPick app, use the code PROS, for $10 off your first order when you select Zip at checkout. Again, code PROS for $10 off your first order when you download the TickPick app and you select Zip at checkout. All right, before we talk about Thursday Night Football, let's run through some of the bigger news items from yesterday. There was a lot of news, guys, yesterday, starting with Justin Fields being officially named the Bears starter going forward. Now, the Bears draw the Raiders in Week 5. This is the right move for Chicago, right? Everybody knows that. Fields should be rostered in pretty much every fantasy league, but he's probably not startable at this point, guys, until he becomes a little more reliable. But there's plenty of upside here, so make sure he is on a roster. Chris Carson is questionable for Thursday Night Football with a neck injury. This really sounds like an actual game-time decision here. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we get to things that I'm looking out for, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Christian McCaffrey returned to practice and got in a limited session. I'm not expecting him to suit up here against the Eagles. Remember last year, he was practicing for a couple of weeks, actually, but wasn't ready to return for a little bit. I expect McCaffrey to miss at least another week, so don't go moving on from Chuba Hubbard just yet. Dalvin Cook did not practice Wednesday and made it sound like although he's going to play through his ankle injury, he's not going to be fully healthy this weekend against the Lions. Now, he played just 49% of the snaps in his week four return, and managers really need to temper expectations here. You're still starting him, of course, especially against Detroit, but he's likely going to take on a little bit of a lesser role than he is used to. So again, just temper your expectations a little bit. A.J. Brown returned to practice from his hamstring injury, getting in a limited session, while Julio Jones, also dealing with a hamstring injury, remains sidelined. I personally do not expect either one of them to play this weekend against the Jaguars, but it does sound like Brown is at least closer. Ben Roethlisberger did not practice due to his hip issue, while Chase Claypool returned to a limited session with his hamstring injury. Ben is going to play, you know that. We're just going to wait and see on Claypool. It's a tough matchup regardless with Denver. You really don't want to start anybody except... You are, of course, starting Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson. Jimmy Garoppolo did not practice on Wednesday, but the 49ers are not ruling him out yet with his calf injury. I just can't see it here, guys. I'm preparing for Trey Lance to start. Lance is going to be probably outside my top 12 quarterbacks when all is said and done. I believe he's 14 right now, but he's somebody, obviously, who you want to roster, and you could start this weekend in a pinch. Teddy Bridgewater did not practice as he recovers from his concussion, remains in the protocol. He's reportedly feeling a bit better, but we're obviously going to need to wait on this one until later in the week. Logan Thomas is going to miss at least four weeks, and he has been placed on IR with his hamstring injury. This makes me very sad. Of course, you guys know I love Logan Thomas, but this does open up some more targets for Curtis Samuel, who is, again, one of my top waiver wire pickups this week, and he should be rostered pretty much everywhere. 
Antonio Gibson, and Curtis Samuel were sidelined for Wednesday's practice. But again, I don't expect either one of them to miss the game this weekend. Gibson is still dealing with the shin injury, but he seems okay. And Samuel is still managing his groin injury. Again, I expect both of them to play this Sunday. Ezekiel Elliott also missed Wednesday's practice due to knee discomfort, but he intends to practice on Thursday, and I don't think he's in danger of missing the game this weekend against the Giants. Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard both remain sidelined to practice. I'm not expecting either one of them to suit up this weekend. T. Higgins returned to practice from a shoulder injury, but Joe Mixon did not. I think this is pretty clear what's going to happen here, guys. Higgins is going to return. That is what has been deemed, you know, the likely scenario here. He probably could have played last week if the game were on the weekend instead of on Thursday. But Mixon's not going to play here, guys. Expect him to miss at least this week, maybe next week. And just bake that in so you're not screaming and pulling your hair out. Again, Samaj P. Ryan should be picked up, at least for a one-week filler. Also note that for Higgins, uh, Jair Alexander is expected to miss week five, so that does open up room for Higgins and Jamar Chase. Will Fuller was placed on IR with his broken finger. Giovanni Bernard returned to a limited practice with his knee injury. We'll have to wait and see on that. Darrington Evans was designated to return from injured reserve. Remember, he had gotten hurt in the preseason with a knee injury, and again, He's the only guy you can really roster to back up Derrick Henry, who hopefully doesn't get hurt and, again, has the rushing record for this year. Raiders running back Peyton Barmer could miss multiple weeks due to a turf toe injury. Again, he was just now a handcuff for Josh Jacobs with Jacobs healthy. He didn't have to be rostered, but he is going to be out now a few weeks at least with his injury. And Stephon Gilmore was fake released but actually traded to the Panthers. Psych on all of us. This bolsters the Panthers secondary after they lost J.C. Horn. All right, let's talk about top five things I'm looking out for during Thursday night football. After a couple of less than compelling matchups, we get a good one here in the Seahawks and Rams. This is compelling to all casual football fans, even those who don't play fantasy. So what am I going to be watching out for tonight? First, is Tyler Lockett going to bounce back? Stop me if you've heard this one before. Tyler Lockett has a couple of really, really huge games. Tyler Lockett almost entirely disappears for other games. Tyler Lockett is overall a top 10 receiver that nobody feels comfortable with. That was the case last year. That is currently the case this year. Look, you're starting Lockett, of course. I have him ranked 13th at wide receiver right now. He is in your lineup, no questions asked. But I mean, he has five targets or fewer in three of his four games. He has exactly four catches in three of his four games. He's on pace for 80 catches in a 17-game season. Don't forget, all of that is bad. Now, Lockett has dealt with injuries lately. He had the knee injury in the third game. He'd been listed on practice reports with a hip injury heading into last week. So maybe that's it. But we need to find out whether it's that or whether all this talk about Shane Waldron's offense being good for him was much ado about nothing. It's a tough matchup with the Rams. They have a very good secondary. He's probably going to draw Jalen Ramsey at times in coverage. But we need to see something more from Lockett in this game. Number two, can Robert Woods build on his late game touchdown from week four? Speaking of needing to see more from a receiver, we're really taking Robert Woods on faith at this point, right? I mean, he's second on the team in targets with 25, okay, but he has the same number of catches as Tyler Higbee. He has fewer yards than Van Jefferson. He has the same catch percentage as Deshaun Jackson. This is not how this is supposed to work, all right? Now, really, Woods has held on this long in our rankings, largely just because of his track record. For years, he had been one of, if not the single most underrated receiver in all of fantasy. And that's under Sean McVay. So it's not like there is some inherently drastic change here. 
what, because Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford are best friends forever, suddenly Woods is the forgotten man. He's seen between 129 and 139 targets over the last three seasons in each one. He has between 86 and 90 receptions in each of the last three seasons. His current pace, 100 targets, 60 receptions. And again, that's with an extra game built in. That's to say nothing of the fact that he is currently on pace for 688 yards receiving. Really, if you look at Woods objectively right now, there is absolutely nothing to be excited about. Nothing. So we are relying on past performance. At some point soon, though, we need a reason to actually be optimistic about this year. Number three, what are we going to see out of the Seattle running back situation? I mentioned earlier, Chris Carson is questionable. Sounds like an actual game time decision with his neck injury. And last week, we saw Alex Collins look pretty explosive with his work. Now, Carson has been pretty consistent so far in terms of the work he's getting. He's gotten between 13 and 16 carries in each of his four games thus far. And even with his struggles against the 49ers last week, he's still averaging 4.3 yards per carry, and he has three touchdowns. Yeah, he hasn't been involved very much in the passing game, just six catches on his six targets. But as a whole, if you roster him, you've generally been happy with him, right? But this is the bugaboo with Carson, isn't it? I mean, he's often nicked up with some injury that knocks him out for a game or more, and now he's a game-time decision again, and even if he starts, who knows what he's going to do. Meanwhile, Alex Collins has averaged 4.3 yards per carry in his career, and he totaled 78 yards last week against the 49ers. He might not be someone you can rely on over the course of a full season, but in short spurts, why not? So if Carson plays, I want to see how they split work, and if he doesn't, I want to see how good Alex Collins could be in a difficult matchup. And if Collins is really good, then I worry we could be looking at more of a timeshare when and if Carson is fully healthy. Now, I'm going to finalize my rankings today, as you guys know. But as of right now, I have Chris Carson at RB29 and Alex Collins at RB43. If Carson is out, Collins is going to move up past where Carson is now into borderline RB2 territory. Fourth thing I'm looking out for is, is Cooper Cup really a top five wide receiver? Cup has been remarkable thus far. Double-digit targets in every game, five touchdowns. He's on pace for 120 catches and 20 touchdowns. And yeah, there have been a few breakdowns in coverages where Cup was just basically entirely wide open for long touchdown plays. But whatever, that happens over the course of the season. Everything about this is glorious and wonderful and validated. And now he's going to get Ugo Umadi in the slot, a plus matchup for him. But is this actually something we can rely on each and every week? 10-plus targets, a dominant force. At some point, defenses are going to figure out that you need to do what you need to do to stop Cooper Cup. And let's see then what else comes out of that. So in a huge divisional game on a nationally televised stage, let's see what Cup does and if it's once again a dominant performance. Finally, my fifth thing I'm looking out for is Tyler Higby, a must-start tight end. I have a lot of shares of Higby. If you guys listen to me during our preseason podcast, I was pretty heavily in on him, and it hasn't been great. All right, he's tied for 15th at the tight end position, and that's with a touchdown. But really, outside of that random Colts game in week two where he got just that one target, he's been pretty reliable. At least five targets and four catches in every other game. The yardage isn't great, but I mean, if you're a tight end and you're pulling in four or five targets a game, you're pretty much fine. The problem is that Van Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson and now Cooper Cup is getting a million targets a game. There's just not as much left over for Higby to be a consistent force. The Rams offense is usually like a well-oiled machine. It's just really difficult to find consistent targets and production other than, again, for Cooper Cup. But this is a matchup that Higby should do well in. 
74 yards to the Colts tight ends in week one, 70 yards in a score to Tyler Conklin in week two, 61 yards in a score to the San Francisco tight ends. Last week, the Seattle defense can be beaten by this position. So Higby has to beat it because we have seen guys like Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox. They are beating down the door of being must-start options at the tight end position. Higby really needs to prove he still belongs in that conversation. And that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks again to TickPick. Remember, download the app, use the code PROS, get $10 off your first order. When you select Zip at checkout, thank you for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning.